The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. joining with us. Those that are joining online, welcome. Glad to have you as well. Um, As has already been mentioned, I want to wish all of the dads here happy Father's Day. Uh, I also want to just offer a moment of encouragement. I know as dads, oftentimes it feels like you're talking to the wall and your kids aren't listening uh, and your kids are going their own way, but I want to encourage you. The Lord has put you in this position for a reason. It's not easy, but be encouraged that what you do has impact on those kids around you. Okay. This morning, we're going to continue through Psalms. Uh, we're going to go through Psalm 22 today. Um, Psalm 22, 23, 24 is often looked at as a trilogy of Psalms where David is describing the Lord as our shepherd. Okay. In Psalm 23, which if you've been around the church a while, you're probably familiar with, uh, David describes the Lord as our good shepherd, right? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. All of chapter 23 speaks to the Lord as a provider, protector, and one who cares for his sheep. Chapter 24, we see David describe the Lord as our chief shepherd. The title is the king of glory, and it says, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And so we have our good shepherd in chapter 23. We have our chief shepherd who returns in glory in chapter 24. So who do we have, or who do we see David describe in chapter 22? He describes our sacrificial shepherd, the one who lays down his life for his sheep. David wrote Psalm 23 as a series of statements. He's stating who the Lord is, what the Lord has done, and why I am not afraid to sit before my enemies. He is describing unapologetically a good and protective shepherd. Similarly, David starts out chapter 24 with a series of statements about who the Lord is, and then he shifts into who is going to receive the blessings, who who the Lord is going to bless when he returns. And he says, it's those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And then at the end of chapter 24, David asks this rhetorical question, who is this king of glory? Not because he's confused or he's Wondering, but it's so that he can then turn around and again proclaim in confidence the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. David has absolute confidence in who he is describing in both 23 and 24, the chief shepherd and the good shepherd. But we're not going to talk about 23 and 24 today. And you might be asking me, like, why did you even bring it up then? Because there are times that as believers, we are absolutely steadfast 
and who we know our Lord to be and what his son Jesus did for us. And then there are moments and there are seasons where we aren't. There are moments where our family can't help us. Our friends and coworkers, they don't understand what's going on. And it feels as if the king of the universe has turned away. That's what we're going to get into today. So if you grab your Bibles and you'll turn or click with me over to chapter 22. If you're already there, some of you may have noticed what the title is. If you're in an ESV, that's what I'll be reading from. The title is, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Anyone that's been around the church a little bit? I'm sure you've probably heard that somewhere. In my studies of chapter 22, I have found that it's often referred to as the Psalm of the Cross or the Crucifixion Psalm, and you're going to see why as we get into this. There are multiple phrases and imagery throughout this chapter that will transport us directly to the foot of the cross. So a question you might have then is, is David prophesying in this chapter? Is this chapter a messianic prophecy, or is David just having a really hard time? Well, if you're asking me, the answer is yes. And so with that said, we're going to take this psalm, and we're going to break it up into two parts. We've got verse 1 through 21, 22 through 31. And in both of these parts, there's going to be about three themes or sections that we're going to talk through. Okay? We're going to start out with David praying through suffering and anguish. And then we're going to move into David rejoicing in victory. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. Psalm 22 is longer than both Psalm 23 and 24 put together. It's longer than Psalm 4 that we went through last week. Uh, so all that to say is we have 31 verses to get through, and I've only got about an hour and a half to do it. So we're going to move as quickly as possible to get through all of this. <laughs> Before we begin, though, I'd ask that you pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the men and the women that you have brought here, Lord, and that no one is here by accident, that you have brought them here with a purpose. I pray that you would be heard this morning, that as we open up your scriptures, that your name would be praised and that Christ Jesus would be proclaimed. And Father, I pray that I would not be a distraction from your gospel. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and they were rescued, and in you they trusted and we're not put to shame. David begins chapter 24, uh, 22, not with a statement about who the Lord is, but with a lament. God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? And this whole section is David just wrestling through that feeling of being abandoned by God. And it's here that we see the first image of Christ. If you've been around the church a while, I know you've, you've heard that lament. Why have you forsaken me? 
I would wager, though, most of us probably didn't realize that David was, that Christ was quoting David. Show of hands, who knew that Christ was quoting David? Scott, all right. <laughs> we see these words are recorded twice. They're recorded in Matthew chapter 27, Mark chapter 15. In both accounts, Christ Jesus cries out this lament after a three-hour period of total darkness, a moment where Christ is taking upon himself all the sins of the world, past, present, future. And he did that to be our perfect sacrifice, to take the punishment that we deserved so that we might be able to stand before a holy God. And it was in that moment of anguish that Christ felt the agony of being separated from his Father. Why have you forsaken me? I don't want you to miss this, though. Both David and Christ Jesus, in this moment of anguish, they refer to the Father and they cry out, My God! And in that there is trust. It would be like my kids needing help and they're crying out, Michael, come help me, versus Daddy, help. So they both are crying and suffering, but in both they recognize that who God is. He's their God. And they both trusted him. If you look back to verse 3, David uses this huge, powerful word. Yet, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued, and you, they trusted and were not put to shame. David's crying out, God, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's happening. My enemies are circling in, yet you are holy, God. David proclaims in his moment of anguish, truth. God, you saved our fathers. You delivered them when they cried out. You rescued them when they went astray. God, I feel so alone right now. But I know what you've done in the past. In this moment of being feeling forsaken and abandoned, where he's struggling to feel the Lord's presence, David has a moment of a profound grace and clarity, and he recalls the truth. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So a question for you this morning, church, is how are you praying? How are we praying in a moment of feeling abandoned and alone? Are we remembering who our God is? That's a hard prayer. Verse 6 says, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Quote, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. In that first section, David is dealing with the feelings of being forsaken. 
feeling forsaken, feeling abandoned by God, because there's a difference. In this next section, we see David, now he's being despised by his people. They're mocking and they're ridiculing him. Who's mocking him? Well, according to verse 7, it says, all who see me. Remember, David is the king, and all who see him now feel the freedom to mock him. And I'm not talking about mocking him behind his back where it's safe, but to his face. It says they make mouths at him. That is, they're making faces at the king. Some of the language in verses 7 and 8, they're also found at the crucifixion. Verse 7 again says, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And in Matthew 27, verse 39, it says, and those passed by derided him. That is, they mocked him, wagging their heads. And in verse 8, it says, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Before we get to Matthew, can you hear the disdain and the sarcasm in which that's written, the mocking tone that these men are saying this to the king. Matthew 27, 43 says, he trusts in God, let God deliver him if he desires him. Amid all the mockery, amid all the shaming, David returns to that big word, yet. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast, and on you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there's none to help. In this section, there's some echoes of Psalm 139. There's another psalm. On my mother's womb. David is beginning. You took me from the womb, God, without since I was little. And even now, when I feel alone in this moment, I'm not going to stop trusting in you. Verse 11, we have the first ask from David in this chapter, and it says, be not far from me. For trouble is near and there's none to help. God, don't be so far. Come, come, come a little closer. I, I can't do it. There's nothing I can do, God. This world pressing in on us. How do we pray? Are we praying for retribution? God, take care of those people. Or are we praying, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know only you can help. Only you can help me, God. These are David's prayers through his suffering and his frustrations when he feels abandoned by God and despised by his people. And now we're going to look at what, it, what David goes through when he has men of perceived authority twisting the law to condemn him. Verse 12 says, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, and like a ravening, roaring lion, I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shared, and my tongue sticks to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. David is describing being pursued and encircled by various groups and individuals, and he compares them to animals bulls and lions and dogs. And the first group he compares to bulls, a group of strength. I don't know if you've ever been around a bull, you've ever spent time on a farm or a ranch, but bulls are not what you call soft and cuddly. They are temperamental, they're territorial, they're testosterone-fueled, and they are more likely to chase you across the field and trample you than to wonder why you were in the field. And David here, he's saying, they're surrounding me. And after these bestial men have surrounded him, he's delivered over to those that are like a ravening, roaring lion. I picture David being accused by those of perceived authority, looking to twist the law to try to put him at a position of disadvantage. And the, at the very end comes the, the animal with the least strength, but if... If you watch any nature films, they usually have the greatest numbers. The wild dogs, they begin to circle in. These people that in the previous section were making mouths and mocking, now they're emboldened to attack. And throughout this, David goes on to describe the physical effects that it's having on him. He's exhausted. It says he's so exhausted that he's poured out like water. That his strength is dried up like a pot shared, a, bit, a brittle, broken piece of pottery. And he says, they've pierced my hands and feet. And suddenly we're back to the cross. The night when Christ was betrayed, Judas swords and clubs, according to Matthew and Mark. Bestial men with strength. They encircled and they seized the Christ. And then they took him and they delivered him to the priests and the Pharisees who were roaring like a lion, looking to twist the law to condemn the Christ. That next morning, they delivered Jesus over to Pilate so that Pilate could pass judgment. And when Pilate found no fault in Jesus, he asked the people, who do you want me to release? Barabbas, a criminal, or the Christ? And the dogs circled in. Stirred up by the lions, they began to chant for Barabbas. And in that moment, Christ was condemned. And soon, his hands and his feet were pierced. Verse 17 says, I can count all my bones... And they stare and gloat over upon his suffering with a delight. They're excited that he's in pain. Verse 18 says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Matthew 27, 35 records, and when they had crucified him, Nineteen says, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. 
Deliver my soul from the sword of my precious life, from the power of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. David starts out in verse 1 asking, feeling forsaken, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? In verse 11, he pleads out, God, I don't know where you are. Just come a little closer. Just, just, let, me, just let me glimpse you from afar. Just be a little closer. In verse 19, he cries out, do not be far off. God, I just need you closer than that. He's not asking. I'm sure he wanted it. Save my life. In verse 21, David is, I mean, these first, first 21 verses, David is unpacking his suffering, his feeling of abandonment by God and being despised by his people, to having the law twisted to condemn him. Suffering that was magnified in Christ Jesus on the cross, on our behalf. In verse 19 through 21a, David again offers a final plea, be close, be near God. And then we get 21b, you have rescued me. And just like that, David flips from praying through suffering and abandonment to praising God for being rescued. You have rescued me. There is assurance and confidence in that statement. Despite everything that took place, verse 1 through 21, David is declaring, you have rescued me. So what does David do with that news? Verse 22 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. David's crying out, look what he's done. Look what the Lord has done. He goes and he tells his brothers. He goes and he tells his family and his close friends. He is proclaiming what the Lord has done to him. And he cries not only what the Lord has done, but he cries out what the Lord didn't do. The Lord didn't despise the affliction or the afflicted. The Lord didn't hide his face from me. The Lord heard when David cried out, and he rescued him. After Christ's resurrection, after defeating death, where did he go? Who did he seek out? His brothers, his disciples, that close group of people that had followed him and believed in him. And what did he share? Death is defeated. There is a way to the Father. Church, do we celebrate our praises and our victories with those around us? Do we invite them in to celebrate? Or do we only share the struggles and the hurts and when life is bad and, they keep, and then keep the victories just all bottled up inside? 
Verse 25 says, From you comes my praise and the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. David moves from his celebration with his close family, his friends, his close-knit, to expand it to everyone. I don't know if you're paying attention, but he's including us in this praise. See, David is saying, God didn't just do this thing for me. And as, he, as we read it, David uses the word all four times. Four times to describe who is included in this praise. To take us back to the cross, Christ's life, death, and resurrection is a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, where he said, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. So who's going to be blessed? All of us. Who's going to praise the Lord? All of us. Every Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, there is not a category that you can create that all does not capture. Is our praise in what the Lord has done so evident that everyone around us stops to wonder? Are we inviting in everyone around us to praise and celebrate what our Lord has done? The praises and the blessings that David is describing, this kingdom where all will praise, it's not temporary. It didn't end with David. It certainly didn't end with Christ on the cross. Amen? Oh, that was weak, guys. Verse 30 says, Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation, and they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It's been kind of a roller coaster with David this morning. We start out with him in the depths of despair, of feeling forsaken and abandoned by God, to being despised and mocked and ridiculed by his people, to having the law twisted against him. And then God rescues him, and David goes on to proclaim what God has done. Not just proclaim for himself, but for all of us, that all will praise the Lord for what he's done. Posterity, guys, that's, that's you and me. Posterity are future generations. David is saying, this is not just for me in this moment and the people that I know, but this is for everyone that I don't know that has not even been thought of or born yet. He even he reiterates it and says, those yet unborn, 
He's just wanting to hammer home this truth is truth. It's not just truth because it feels okay right now. It's truth because it is truth. And David wants everyone to know that the Lord had done it. That he's the rescuer. That he's the one that hears our cries and he answers. Christ came to rescue us by being our perfect sacrifice. Taking on a punishment that I deserved. And as, a, as Christ hung on that cursed tree and he breathed his last, he proclaimed, it is finished. And he had done it. So church, with that great knowledge of what the Lord has done, what should our praise to God look like? 